We're going to turn to Daniel chapter 5 in your Bibles, Daniel chapter 5. And while you're turning up Daniel chapter 5, I'm just going to give you a brief overview of the first few chapters up until Daniel chapter 5 and what has happened and the time frame that we're at in God's word. It's 539 BC and Belshazzar is reigning in Babylon. Babylon being situated in modern day Iraq or more importantly Baghdad. It had a population in Belshazzar's reign of approximately 2 million people. Nebuchadnezzar, who invaded Jerusalem three times, died in 562 BC. His son, Elmandok, rules for two years and is killed by his brother-in-law. Then Nebuchadnezzar reigns, but decides to move to a town called Tima and sets up his headquarters there. And he installs his son, Belshazzar, to rule. In Babylon. So that's basically where we're at on Daniel chapter 5. And I'm going to bring you through Daniel chapter 5 verse by verse. Some verses will be skipping over. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I'm going to bring what the Lord has given me. I had other things in my mind to bring tonight, two or three things, and it changed during the week. And the Lord gave me this, and this is what I'm bringing to you tonight. Daniel chapter 5, and we'll start to read from the first verse. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Now, Belshazzar is a token king because his father has moved to another town called Tima and his father has put him in charge in Babylon. So Belshazzar is a token king and he's not a very good king. In verses 2, 3, and four, let's read them. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine. So in verse one, they're in this great hall. A thousand people have come into the hall. Belshazzar in verse one, the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. And we'll go to two, three, and four. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and the silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron and wood and of stone. And in these three verses, this is not a state meeting and this is not state business. And the reason you know that is because of the presence of the wives and the concubines. Now the concubines would have been there, sometimes used to bring heirs through to the throne. That's what they would have been there for. So the wives, the concubines are in this great hall and this is going to basically turn in to a drunken party and a drunken orgy. This was not a state meeting, a business meeting, because of the presence of the concubines and their wives. A thousand people had gathered in the great hall for a feast which would turn into a drunken orgy. The walls of this great hall would have been covered in, in spoil. Spoil from battles, unedged on the walls, would have been victories. And they would have come into these halls and worshipped their gods of Babylon, who supposedly had given them victories over all their armies. 
The walls of the great hall would have been covered. The spoil and the memorabilia from Babylon's great victories, especially the three invasions of Jerusalem. But the three invasions of Jerusalem were allowed by God because of the wickedness of Israel. In those invasions, Nebuchadnezzar took golden vessels from Solomon's temple. Hostages, including Daniel, who was 17 years old, being one of many aged 17. The drinking from these golden vessels was at Belshazzar's temple, and they're praising the gods of Babylon. What are they doing in this temple? He's drinking the wine. There's a thousand people, at least a thousand people, in this hall, and they start to get drunk. An orgy, a drunken orgy breaks out. All sorts of sin is being carried out by the concubines, the wives, the princes, and the lords. And they're reveling in this hall, and they're looking around them, and they're thinking to themselves, how great are our gods? But he blasphemes the God of Israel. When Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem three times, they took spoil from Solomon's temple. And he orders the goblets, the golden goblets, to be brought out. And they start to drink out of the golden goblets. And this is blasphemy. And he's mocking and he's laughing at the God of Israel in these three verses. In verse 5, let's go to it. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlesticks upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. A hand appears and starts to write on the wall and it's a cryptic message. It's mysterious, but it writes on the wall the very place where the spoils were from battle, the very place where it was edged on the walls, where they would have gloried in their battles and their victories. The hand appears with the fingers and starts to write on the walls, starts to write, showing that the things of the temporal are nothing to the things of the eternal in verse 5. In verse 6, Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. His countenance dropped. He wasn't happy anymore. He wasn't reveling in the party. He looks quite sad. He looks terrified. He looks troubled. The party's over, and Belshazzar sobers up very quickly. It says in the verse 6 of the chapter, Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him. So the joints of his loins were were loosed. That means that the, the kingly garments that he was wearing started to fall off. So that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. His knees are knocking. The party's over and Belshazzar is troubled greatly troubled. In verse 7, the king cried aloud. That means he cried out and he was petrified. That's what that means. He was terrified. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans. So the Chaldeans were just the the wise people of Babylon. They're meant to be the intelligent people. And said to the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck, and should be made third ruler in the kingdom. So Belshazzar is saying here, 
whoever can interpret this, I will make them next to me in the kingdom because he was second in charge. In verse 7, the king is panicking. He summons the incompetent advisors who couldn't interpret the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2 and in Daniel chapter 4. The same men are standing before him, the incompetence. And in verse 8 and 9, Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now the party's really over. Even the lords are looking at him, thinking this man's going mad. Look how troubled he is. His knees are knocking, and nobody can interpret what has been written on the wall. In verse 10, Now the queen, by reason of words of the king, and his lords came into the banquet house. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. Now the queen is probably the wife of Nabonidus. That's Belshazzar's father, or one of the wives of Nebuchadnezzar. Because she knew of Daniel. It says in verse 10, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom. So she knows Daniel. So she was either Nebuchadnezzar's wife or the wife of the father of Belshazzar. And in verse 11, There is a man in the kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of thy father light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father, the king Isaiah thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. The Hebrew use the word father to refer to ancestors or predecessors or biological parents, but Belshazzar was really... Nebuchadnezzar was really Belshazzar's grandfather, if you want to put it like that. And they're speaking here in verse 11 of Daniel. Now, Daniel in Babylon here now is about 83 years old. Let's go to verse 12. For as much as an accident, spirit, and knowledge, and understanding, interpreting of dreams, they're talking about Daniel, and showing of hard sentences, dissolving of doubts, were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Balthazar. Now, let Daniel be called... And he will show the interpretation. Now, in that verse, in verse 12, it says, Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 1. Because in Daniel chapter 1, whenever Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem three times, he didn't just take spoils, but he took hostages. Daniel was one of them. Uh, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 6 and verse 7. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. So they brought them into Babylon captive. But if you notice here, they changed their names. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, 
I'll tell you, Azariah of Abednego. Now, you know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that's not their proper names. And it just goes to show you, and I was thinking about that. You know, the Babylonian system can try to smash God's church and try to smash the believer. And they can change what they like, but they can't change what's within. They can't touch it, and they know it. They can't touch what's within. They can change your name. They can change the laws. But they can't change what's within. The child of God has the spirit of the living God indwelt within them. And they can't change it. They can't touch it. They can change whatever they want. Like they did to Daniel and his friends in Daniel chapter 1. But they can't change the steely resolve of God's people. In verse 12 of the chapter. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called. So they call Daniel. And he will show the interpretation. So they've called Daniel. And they've asked Daniel to come into the great hall. I wonder what Daniel thought when he walked into the hall and he seen the carnage and he seen the mess. We're going to read verse 14, 15 and 16 of, of the chapter. I have even heard of thee, and this is Belteshazzar talking to uh, Daniel. I have even heard of thee that the spirit of God is in thee. Now you can see here by this verse that he has no clue about Daniel's God. He has no clue whatsoever. Belshazzar says to Daniel, I have even heard of thee that the spirit of the gods is in thee and that light and understanding and accident wisdom is found in thee. So in this verse you can see that Belshazzar has no clue who's standing in front of him and whose God is Daniel's God. In verse 15, and now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee, that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck, and shall be third ruler in the kingdom. So Belshazzar is saying to Daniel, you interpret this. I'll make you third ruler. I'll put a robe on you. I'll give you power and authority. If you can read this, you can see here that Daniel in the great hall, standing before Belshazzar, and Belshazzar is quizzing him. He says, I've heard of you. Can you imagine the silence? Remember, there's a thousand people in this hall. And there stands Daniel, 83 years of age. And the party's over. The writing's on the wall. And there's silence in this great hall in Babylon. In verse 18 to 23, Daniel's response, go to 17 first. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let thy gifts be to thyself. And give thy rewards to another. 
Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. Daniel rebukes him. That's a rebuke. Daniel is 83. He's standing in the great hall. The princes, the concubines, the princesses, the lords. And Daniel rebukes him. He says, keep your rewards. And you can keep your gifts. But I'll read it anyway. Verse 17, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known to him the interpretation. Verses 18 to 23. O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom, a majesty, and glory, and honor. Let's read it again. O thou king, speaking to Belshazzar, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom. The kingdom came from God. God is over all. The kingdom came from God. So he makes it clear where the kingdom originated from. O thou king, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people Nations, languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would slew, and whom he would he kept alive, and whom he would he set up, and whom he would he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride. His heart and prayed. I'm looking for the year just again. 539 BC. Prayed. 539 BC. Prayed. Of the heart and of the mind. Prayed. 2022. Prayed. Still the problem. It's a problem then. It's a problem now. O thou king, the most high God, give Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would he slew, and whom he would keep alive, he kept alive, and whom he would set up, and whom he would put down. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him and he was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was like the wild asses they, f- they fed him with the grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men Nebuchadnezzar was humbled Daniel chapter 4 He was eating grass and eating food like a pig and he was out of his mind because he had had elevated himself. He went out one day and he looked at his kingdom and and he said, look what I have done. The kingdom was from God and in Daniel chapter four, cut down the tree but leave the stump. And Nebuchadnezzar went mad for seven years. The number of perfection. 
and he was groveling around on the ground, the great king, till he knew that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men. He came to his senses. It's amazing what God has to do sometimes to get you to come to your senses, isn't it? And to listen to what he's saying to you. And that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. You see, God sets up kingdoms. God brings down kingdoms. God sets up governments. God brings down governments. And God will appoint who he will. It's only going to usher in the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the second coming. They're all pawns. And he will use them as he will. He is over all. And he is in all. Daniel rebukes the king for his pride and for his blasphemy. Can you imagine Daniel standing in the hall? And he rips into him. And he gives him some truths. Against God you have sinned and refusal to learn the lessons of Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4. But has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven and they have brought the vessels of this house before thee and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. Thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold of brass and iron, and you could go to Daniel 2 for that, that Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Wood, stone, which was set not, nor hear, nor know, and God in whose hand thy breath is, whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose all are all thy ways, Hast thou not glorified? Genesis 2 and 7. Genesis 2 and 7 says this. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. The breath in your nostrils tonight is from the living God. The very breath in your nostrils. It says it in Genesis 2 and 7. He breathed. He breathed. And he became a living soul. You're a living soul. But are you saved or lost? What do you use your breath for? What do you use your breath for that he breathed into your nostrils? Do you worship him? Do you exalt him? Do you praise his holy name? Do you tell him that you love him? Are you a blasphemer and a Christ rejecter? A blasphemer and a Christ rejecter and you use his breath his breath to blaspheme him. Verse 24. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and his writing was written. 
25. And this is the writing that was written. Meeny, meeny, tikel, you force him. Meeny, meeny, tikel, you force him. An Aramic statement. Having been counted, having been counted, having been weighed, and having been divided. Daniel read the writing on the wall. Daniel interprets the writing on the wall. In verse 26, 27 and 28 of the chapter. This is the interpretation of the thing. Meaning, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. Now you see that word meaning. That mate, the word meaning is singular. And tekel is singular as well. And meaning is said twice. This is the interpretation of the thing. Meaning. God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. So Daniel is standing in front of the thousand in the hall. And he says to Belshazzar, Meany, and he says it twice, just to ram it home to him. Meany, meany. And he says, Belshazzar, this is the interpretation of the thing. God hath numbered your days, Belshazzar. He points at him. Your days, Belshazzar, are numbered. And it's twofold. It's not just said once. It's said twice. Belshazzar, you, tonight, your days are numbered. Tekel is singular as well. Daniel says to him, thou art weighed in the balances and thou art found wanting. He says, Belshazzar, your days are numbered. You have been found wanting. You have been weighed in the balances. You have been weighed in the balances, Belshazzar, and your time's up. Could you imagine? Daniel, 83 years of age, standing in the great hall in the throng, and he stands in front of Belshazzar and he rebukes him because he's not interested in Belshazzar. He's standing before a holy God. He might be in a thousand of a crowd in the great hall in Babylon, but God's with him and he knows it because God gives him the interpretation on the wall and he reads it. Belshazzar, your days are numbered. Your days You've been weighed in the balance, Belshazzar. You've been found wanting. And time's up. He rebukes him. This is the interpretation of the thing, meaning God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balance and are found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom. Thy kingdom. So this is speaking of the empire now. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And you can go to Daniel chapter 2 for some of that in your own time. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, and put a chain of gold about his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him, 
that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. But a thought. On the 10th of October, 539 BC, Darius had taken two towns just outside the city, Enophis and Sephar. Enophis and Sephar on the 10th. And on the 12th of October, 539 BC, the Medes and the Persians are about to take the city. But Belshazzar is partying. Two days before it, the enemy was at the gate. They'd already taken two towns. But you see, Belshazzar thought, they can't take this. Look at the fortifications. We have food, we have water. But the Euphrates River that flowed through Babylon had sunk. It had started to dry up. And the army was able to go through the Euphrates. He's having a party. Party's over, Belshazzar. The party's over. It's the 24th of July, 2022. The time is five to seven. Is time up for you tonight. And are you going to be launched into God's eternity? Is time up for you tonight? Is this it for you tonight? Is tonight the night that your soul is required of you? These are matters of life and death. These are eternal matters. These are the most important things that you will have to deal with on planet Earth. Is the writing on the wall for you tonight? You've been weighed on the balance. You've been found wanting. And God has numbered your days and time is up. If that very hand that was in Great Babylon and that Great Hall was to appear here tonight around the walls of this tabernacle and the hand appeared, which it very well could, and started to write on the wall around this tabernacle, would your name be on the wall? Would God be saying to you, You've been weighed on the balance. You've been found wanting. And your time's up. And tonight, your soul is required of you. Where are you, sir? Where are you, madam? Where are you, young person? Ah, young person, sure, Glenn, I've got my whole life to live. Really? Who told you that? Death is no respecter of age. Belshazzar's enemy was at the gate. Is your enemy at the gate tonight? What is your enemy? It's death. It's death. Is death at the gate for you tonight, sir? Is death at the gate for you tonight, madam? 
young person and you're about to be launched into God's eternity and you're not saved. These are serious matters. God has a question for you tonight. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27 and verse 22. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? That's your question tonight. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? What are you going to do tonight, sir? What are you going to do tonight, madam, young person? This could be it for you tonight. Are you like Belshazzar? And you've heard about Nebuchadnezzar. And you heard how God humbled him. You heard how God moved in his life. And you know people who are saved. You know people who things have happened in their lives and God has moved. And you're sitting here tonight or you're watching online. And the spirit will not always strive with man. And God has been speaking to you over and over and over again. And tonight, your soul is required. Wet in the balance. Your name's on the wall and you've been found wanting. Time's up. Time's up. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Let's just read it. We all know it. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. If you stay in the state that you're in tonight, you have wages to lift tonight. You have a wage to lift. We all love to get our wages, don't we? Well, if you stay in the state that you're in tonight, after listening to God's word, not me, I'm just a messenger. God's word, that's God's word that I'm reading from. If you stay in the state that you're in tonight and your soul is required of you tonight and the writing's on the wall for you tonight, you have wages to lift. Let's read it. Here's your wages. For the wages of sin is death. So you're going to get your wages tonight. What did you think was going to happen? Did you think the Father was going to send his Son into the world to save the lost? And you would reject the Son of the living God? Did you think it was going to be okay? It's never going to be okay. If death comes to your door tonight, you will lift your wages if you're not right with God. Your sin is still there. Death comes to your door and you will lift your wages and justice will be done. We all want justice. Well, this is justice. 
But aren't you glad that's not the end of that verse? Aren't you glad that's not the end of that verse? For the wages of sin is death, but, thank God for the buts, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life, but you have to go through Jesus Christ. So where do you need to go to tonight? It's good news. Go to the cross. Go to the foot of the old rugged cross tonight. Repent. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Forget about pride. Forget about yourself. Humble yourself before God. Repent. Confess your sins. Believe on the death, the burial, and the resurrection and the ascension. Believe in the blood of Jesus Christ that redeems your soul and be saved tonight. Sir, madam, young person, God is speaking here tonight. The spirit is moving. Don't leave this tabernacle tonight without receiving the Savior into your life. Belshazzar, that night, in verse 30 of the chapter. And that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius, the Median, took the kingdom, being about three score and two years old. That night, he was slain. See, the word was swift. The word was swift. You may be saying, oh, I'll leave it. It's up to you. But the word was swift. That very night, Belshazzar lost his kingdom and he was slain. After Daniel speaking to him in the great hall. You don't know if you've got tomorrow. Do not boast of tomorrow for you know not what a day may bring forth. If I dropped here in this stage now, absent from the body and present with the Lord, If you drop tonight and your soul is required of you and you're not saved, absent from the body, and then what? Well, what's next? Launched into God's eternity and not saved. Not saved. It's the midnight hour. And you're not saved. 